Hey, it's my pleasure this morning um, for all of us to welcome a friend of mine who's becoming a dear friend, um, John Roselle. And John and I met when John invited me to come and walk the Reed campus with him and just pray for Reed. We, some of us have a connection to Reed here. Carrie, who used to come here, went to Reed. Um, but Reed is a place where there is no campus group that we're really connected with as Christians. Um, and so it's just a, a concern of ours that we're bringing to God and John is leading that. John works with um, Crew, uh, which used to be called Campus Crusade for Christ, right? So some of you may know it by that name. Um, but Crew works with colleges, campuses across the nation, probably internationally. Um, and John is uh, excellent at facilitating and understanding how to speak to people that aren't of faith in a winning and authentic way. And so I have for a while um, was kicking around this idea of how I could get him in here to talk to all of us and encourage us because one of our big pushes in this season is to be engaging our neighbors. Um, best way to do that is just talk, right? And so John's going to lead us through that. This is going to be a little different than a typical sermon. So we don't have a scripture reading, um, although John may have things that he uses. Um, this is going to be somewhat interactive. And so this is really a, a, a teaching slash, I imagine, discussion. And so be prepared to interact. And uh, John, go ahead and come up front. And before you begin, let me just pray for you. <clears throat> God, I just pray your blessing on this time for these people in this room. I pray specifically for the Spirit uh, to be um, encouraging and to bring peace and guidance to John as he speaks to our community here. Um, God, may your blessing be in the words that he shares. May we be invigorated um, by the message he has for us. In your name, amen. Okay, thank you, John. Um, I will start off by saying, or just reiterating, yes, this will be a little bit different than maybe a normal Sunday. I'm always skeptical of somebody that comes up front and doesn't have a Bible. And so uh, I thought about bringing mine up here just to prove that I have one. <laughs> but um, rather than a Bible teaching today, we're really going to be, um, I think, in the spirit of continuing through the book of Acts, um, but more of a practical, as we see what God is doing through the early church, more of a practical, how do we participate in how do we get to be involved in the work um, that the Spirit of God is doing? Because I, I think, like, when I read through the book of Acts and I see the things that the apostles or John and Peter are doing, I, I, I read that through kind of like a Marvel movie lens of, oh, here's these superheroes. They're doing incredible things that no one else could ever do. Uh, but really, I think the hero of the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit that, um, that Jesus gave the apostles, he's also given us. And so we get to continue in this story of, of how God is, is uh, bringing his kingdom on earth through his people. And so today is going to hopefully be a very tangible, practical uh, conversation about how we can engage in that story. So I, uh, I'll start off by telling you a, a story about me. You know how we have maybe certain moments or uh, defining experiences in our lives that shape us for the rest of our, of our lives? One of those for me happened in college. 
And even though I'd grown up in a Christian family, I didn't really start following Jesus until college. Drugs and alcohol seemed way more relevant to my daily life than faith did. Um, but the Lord really got a hold of my life in college, transformed me pretty significantly. I was connected to a, a campus ministry um, for a number of years, really. I mean, I would go to their meetings, go home, get high. I felt like, you know, the Lord was really happy that he had my Sunday mornings and my Thursday nights, and the rest of the time was for me. Um, but as the Lord changed my life significantly, and I ex- began experiencing peace and hope that I had never experienced before, like I wanted other people to know that and experience that. In this college group, uh, it was a context that I learned a lot about Jesus through, and I went to school in Montana. Montana winters are like nine months long, and they were talking about taking a spring break trip to San Diego, which sounded pretty great to get a break from the cold and the snow and go spend a week in San Diego. Um, but one thing I didn't like about this college group is that they liked to talk to other people about Jesus, which you know was fine for them, but that was pretty uncomfortable for me and seemed a bit intrusive. And so I knew part of this conference in San Diego was that we were gonna spend a day on campus talking to people about spiritual things. But the idea of spending a week in San Diego won out, so I went. And uh, the conference was great, and this day of outreach came, and my buddy Dan and I, Jesus had really been working in our lives pretty significantly. We wanted people to know Jesus. Um, But I had quit doing drugs maybe like four or five months prior to that. And I was like, who was I to talk to anybody about Jesus? Like, I still had more questions than I did answers. But Jesus was changing my life, and I wanted other people to experience him. And so my buddy Dan and I go out on campus, and we're just super uh, nervous and awkward. We walk up to this guy, he's probably like the biggest guy on campus, just sitting at a picnic bench, and uh, really awkwardly approach him, and we're like, uh, hi, uh, hi, excuse me, uh, we're wondering if you, I mean, if we could ask you some questions about your spiritual beliefs, but if you don't want to, that's fine, we can leave. He's like, yeah, that's fine, if I can ask you some questions first. Like, well, yeah, I mean, of course, yeah, what, what, what are your questions? And uh, keep in mind, this is like 20 years ago. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm writing a speech for public speaking. I'm either going to write about legalizing pot or gay marriage. What do you think I should write about? <laughs> We're like, well, I mean, everybody's talking about legalizing pot, but like gay marriage, that's something different. Maybe you should talk about that. <laughs> He's like, okay, yeah, good point. W- what questions do you guys have for me? And so we just kind of awkwardly began asking him questions about what he believed and why and fumbled our way through to our limited knowledge and experience of who Jesus is and and what Jesus had accomplished. And at the end of this conversation, this very large college student leaned over on this picnic bench, kind of suspiciously looks over his left shoulder, suspiciously looks over his right shoulder, and we're just like, "What's, what's going on? And he looks me right in the eyes and says, I've got a feeling God sent you guys here to talk to me today. And when he said that, it just resonated in my heart as truth. Like, God had picked up these two screwed up guys from Missoula, Montana, dropped them off in San Diego for a week so this guy could know who Jesus is and what he's done. And he didn't, I mean, he didn't make a decision to follow Jesus that day or that moment that I'm aware of. Um, But in that moment, uh, I realized and saw that God is at work pursuing people. And he's willing to use anybody that's willing to be used. I mean, that's, we see that all through scripture. God uses messed up people to accomplish his purposes. And, and so that day I saw that and I wanted in. 
And so for the last uh, 16 years, I've been able to work full-time with this college ministry. And a lot of what I get to do is have spiritual conversations with students. And so uh, over those years, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've said and done a lot of stupid things. (laughs) And so my hope for this time is I can maybe help us as a group uh, not make some of the mistakes I did and think about how we can uh, effectively engage in the spiritual lives of other people. And so the goal this morning is for us to have a conversation. This will be interactive. The more you have to say and share, the better. Um, And we'll talk about some maybe kind of bigger picture principles or ideas and then just get into some tangible, practical tools. Um, So again, we're we're not going to be digging into the Word. We're going to be exploring more. How how can we participate in this work that um, the Spirit of God is doing in Acts and continues today? So uh, the first question is, um, as, we, as we think about our faith, um, why should we share our faith? What do you guys think? Why should we share our faith? Uh, the Great Commission. Okay. Jesus told us to. Yeah. In my rebelliousness, like, Anytime I'm told to do something, I just usually don't want to do it. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, Jesus commanded it. And we're all unique. And so if we all take the opportunity, it broadens the uh, ability to reach other people who may or may not have similar unique experiences. You don't know what you experience until you actually approach them. God puts you there, you might actually be the one person that you talk to. Yeah, we have un- we're unique individuals with unique experiences. You're going to be able to reach and connect with people better than I will, and different people. Yeah, and you don't know what their stories and experiences are until you get to know them. That's good. In the back of my mind, um, the comedy duo Ken and Teller. Mm-hmm. You know where I'm going with this? I think I do. <laughs> He makes, I guess it's Ken, I don't know, one of them talks, the other one doesn't, so yep. talks, talk. And um, somebody, after one of their performances, um, came up and had the Bible and tried to share a word. We're actually going to watch that video. <laughs> no spoilers, yeah. Good, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. We'll, we'll talk more about that in just a minute. Okay, the more we share, the quicker Jesus will come back. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, we want Jesus to come back, don't we? The Gentiles has come in, then the eyes of Israel will be opened, and the end happens. Yeah, when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, that's. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it, it helps us grow and wrestle with our own faith. I, I think for me, apart from my own study of scripture, sharing my faith is the thing that's grown me the most because people ask me questions that I don't have answers to. And it's like, as a believer, I feel like I should have an answer to that. So it forces me to dig in and find those answers. 
So, uh, yes, you mentioned Penn and Teller. They're magicians uh, in Las Vegas, and so they're, they're pretty well-known. Um, and so here in a minute, we're going we're gonna to hear from Penn, who is an atheist, to get his perspective on evangelism. Uh, because in the church, we don't necessarily hear from atheists all that often about what they think of people, of Christians sharing their faith. And so if you don't know anything about them, um, they're very gifted magicians. Uh, Penn, who is the one who speaks, uh, is very antagonistic of Christians, uh, religion in general, but Christianity holds a special place of disdain in his heart. <laughs> so if you do, uh, you could do a quick Google search of him in the Bible and find uh, lots of cursing and offensive uh, perspectives about what he believes about Christianity. But we're going to watch uh, a five-minute clip, um, and this was after one of his shows. Uh, a Christian came up and had a conversation with him. And so this is just kind of some unique insight of an atheist, like a very uh, pretty hostile atheist in his perspective of Christianity. He uses the word proselytize a couple times. If you're not familiar with that word, it's just like evangelize, or this guy was trying to share his faith with Penn. Um, so let's see what his response was to that experience. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we uh, we talk to folks, and you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position. After I was all done, big guy, probably about my age, big guy, and. Um, he had been the um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we give those away. He had the you know, the joke book and the and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, that's uh, not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night, and he walked over to me and he said. Um, I was here last night at the show, and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted. And he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. But he said nice stuff. And then he said, "I brought this for you," and he handed me a uh, Gideon Pocket Edition. Um, I thought I said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane, I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me 
right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like your show and so on. And then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. Okay, so interesting perspective from an atheist. Um, what did he say, or, or what struck you from his experience? And I'm not, um, just you know, I'm not holding this up as like the, the prime example of what evangelism should be. I think there's uh, definitely some things that are good about it, some things that, you know, maybe could be improved upon, but uh, really wanna focus on Penn's response. What, what stood out to you? Yeah, he, he felt like this guy cared about him enough to tell him that it was, yeah, an act of care and love for him. Spoke to a certain kind of integrity. Mm-hmm. Spoke to a certain kind of integrity. How did that, how did you see that? I mean, just his, and he's not alone in this. I've had other friends that atheists who logically things actually line up in the way that he acted. He was acting out of his beliefs, mm. right? And so he was a person of integrity. He practiced what he preached. So. Yeah, he was a man of integrity. He practiced what he preached. Um, if he really did believe, you know, that eternal life with God was possible and hell was also possible, then the natural conclusion is if you believe this, you will tell other people. Yeah, he was actually living that out. He was genuine. I think he was surprised that he was genuine in his compliments. Mm -hmm. um, I think so often the kind of 
like, oh, they're evangelizing, they're just trying to get me to do something, you know? And I think that was part of the powerful experience for them. Yeah, it was very genuine, genuine compliments, wasn't just pretending to be something or trying to say nice things to, to open up a conversation. Even the fact that he mentioned multiple times, like he looked me in the eye, just something that tangible seemed to, to be genuine and give him dignity. Yeah. often afraid that people are going to hate us in response to this, but if we come to them with a genuine, caring, loving attitude, they may hate what we believe, but there's potential to have a good, positive interaction and still disagree at the end of the day. Yeah. I think even the, one of the things that, that strikes me is um, he said, how much do you have to hate somebody to not share? That even as an atheist, he realized the most loving thing we can do is share with people. Um, so as we as we think about um, as we think about other people, um, uh, what do an atheist, a Muslim, a Christian, uh, and a Buddhist all have in common? Kind of sounds like a lead up to a joke, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, what do an atheist, a Muslim, a Christian, and a Buddhist? If you think about those four individuals, what do they all have in common? Problems. Yep, they've got problems. What's that? Faith. Okay, they have faith in something. Something is their god. They all have a body. They all need Jesus. They all worship something. Yeah. They all have a body, mind, soul, and spirit. Yeah, they're all looking. Yeah, they're all looking for answers. And so, uh, for me, I think my tendency is to to see the differences in people. Um, but as as we think about sharing our faith, for me, it's been really helpful to think about what these people have in common. And at the the base root is that they are all image bearers of God, created in His image, ultimately to know Him and to worship Him. And so I, I think at least that means that there are spiritual beings created by a spiritual God. Um, and because of that, they're on a spiritual journey. They might be moving towards God. They might be moving away from God. But every person is a spiritual being on a spiritual journey. And so as we think about ways that we get to uh, engage with them on their journey, we think about co-journeying with them, we get the opportunity to step into their life and walk with them, maybe for 10 years, maybe for 20 minutes, you know, but we get to be a part of their spiritual journey. And so there's, this is kind of a framework, a relational framework that 
in crew we like to think through as far as roles we get to play in people's lives. The first one is an explorer, which we'll talk about a little bit, just trying to figure out where they are on their spiritual journey. And then our desire is to guide them to Jesus. And so there's different ways we can do that through explaining the gospel, maybe sharing our testimony. But as we do that, obstacles come up, right? Things that keep them from following Jesus. So how do we help either remove those obstacles or build a bridge over them so that's not what keeps them from following Jesus? And then in their continued walk with Jesus, how do we continue to mentor them? So let's... Um, um, We'll, we'll spend a little bit of time talking about the Explorer. Um, uh, when I first started to follow Jesus in college, and um, man, my life was just changing, and I wanted my friends to experience Jesus the same way that I did. And thinking about all of my friends, um, it made me think of my buddy Ron, who he wasn't really a friend. We just had mutual friends. We hung out in the same friend group, but I was always pretty intimidated by Ron because he had like these huge forearms and he was the guy that literally got in fights every weekend and rarely lost. Um, and he had some issues with alcohol, even more so than kind of the rest of our friends. And I just remember thinking of all my friends, like uh, I want Ron to experience Jesus. And so uh, one time I was back home in Kansas, I, I called Ron, which was weird because I like Ron and I never hung out, <laughs> just the two of us. But I was like, hey, man, I'd love to hang out. Um, and so he invited me over to his house for dinner. And like the whole drive over there, I'm just like, oh, this is awkward. I've never hung out with Ron, just me and him. Like we've never really had a conversation. We were just always in the same groups. But I, I would love for him to know Jesus and I don't know how this is going to go. Like a part of me is afraid that he's just going to like get angry and beat me up. Um, so I, I go there and it's uh, Ron and his girlfriend and we have dinner and I'm just trying to think, how do I bring up like any sort of significant conversation? Um, and by God's grace, one point Ron's like, what's this I hear about you becoming a Christian? <laughs> it's like, Oh, well there's, there's the opening to that conversation. So I got to share a little bit about, about my story. Turns out Ron had grown up in a Catholic family. Uh, of all my friends, like he was the only one that I knew about that actually believed the Bible was like good and valuable. Uh, his girlfriend was into Wicca and we just had an incredible conversation about our beliefs. Um, Ron didn't beat me up. Um, but that actually was what opened the door to like a deeper relationship for he and I. And a couple years later when I was back home, we were having a spiritual conversation and he asked me, he was like, what are those Bibles that have all the articles and stuff in them? And it's like, oh, like a study Bible. And he's like, sure, whatever. Like, where would I get one of those? I was like, you want a study Bible? Uh, here you go, man. Um, and, and so often um, as we engage in people's spiritual journeys, I think this is a valuable lesson, which I think we have a, a slide of, um, is that we can't assume we know where someone is spiritually. We have to discover it. And I made a lot of assumptions about Ron, about where he was spiritually. Um, but until I actually engaged in his spiritual journey, um, I didn't really know. And so as we, as we think about this idea of exploring other people's lives spiritually, uh, in normal life, like what does an explorer do? What are things that are true of explorers? To boldly go where no man has gone before. Definitely. They exercise their curiosity. 
They're looking for something. Uh, what they want is bigger than their fear of it. So fear is even a part of <laughs> a part of being an explorer. It's yeah, there's something more valuable, bigger than that. Those are all true uh, of us as we explore people's spiritual journeys. Like I think about my buddy Ron, like I boldly got to go where no one had ever been before. <laughs> to my knowledge, like nobody had engaged in that kind of a conversation with him. And so it was such a privilege and a joy with fear uh, to enter into his spiritual journey. Um, and so there is this sense of adventure and curiosity that drives us. Um, I, I mean, there's preparation and maybe training and practice that can prepare us somewhat, but we're never fully prepared, right? Explorers don't know. You never know what you're gonna encounter, and so part of it you just learn along the way. Um, that, those are all true of us uh, as we explore spiritually. And so I think often we think about people in these two categories, Christian, and non-Christian, which are theologically true categories. There are people who are the Lord's, who have been adopted into his family, that are his children, um, will spend eternity with him. And there are those who will not. Um, practically, this isn't very helpful for me as I engage in life and relationships with people to know which box they're in. Um, so while these are theologically true, I want to encourage us to think about people being on a spectrum in their spiritual journey. And so over here, you've got people who are hostile to the gospel. I mean, if you bring up spiritual things, they might want to fight verbally, maybe physically. Then you have people who, maybe right here, they're just resistant to the gospel. Um, they're not going to start a fight, but they're definitely not going to willingly like engage with you in the gospel. Then you have people who are indifferent. Maybe they're just pretty apathetic, don't care one way or another. A little bit closer, you've got people who are pretty open. Maybe they're just open to new ideas. They'll talk about anything with anybody. So if that's spirituality or Jesus, they're, they're open to it. And then you have people who are curious, like they're actually maybe searching things on the internet, trying to find answers to some of those big questions. And then you've got people right here who are seeking, like the, the ones that are like, what must I do to be saved? Like, uh, I need to know. Um, and then on this side of the cross, once people begin a relationship with Jesus, you have people that are connected to community, they're healthy, they're growing, or, or sorry, over there. And you've got maybe here, you've got struggling believers who aren't connected, they don't have relationships with other believers, they're not growing. And so um, as we think about people on this spectrum, often what the person who's hostile to the gospel and somebody who's seeking, they might need us to engage with them a little bit differently, right? Like, uh, the people maybe like Penn just need a loving, genuine Christian um, who's willing to own their faith and be in a relationship with them, and maybe that's gonna soften their heart and make them resistant, you know? And that's progress. Like, I think that's success. That's growth. That's movement towards Jesus. Um, oftentimes, uh, I think we... We want Jesus to change somebody's heart in an instant um, and go from hostile to a connected believer, and sometimes he does that. But I think most often it's kind of this gradual progression of one step at a time. Um, as we think about um, even just like the apathetic or indifferent people, I think uh, those people need to be challenged in their beliefs a little bit. I, I was talking to a guy a while back um, who's just really apathetic and indifferent. Um, and I asked him what he thought the purpose in life was. 
and he said, well, evolutionarily, it's, it's to reproduce. I like to replicate my DNA, basically. And I was like, okay. Well, you know, like, how's that going for you? And uh, he said, well, I guess not good because I don't have any offspring. I was like, okay, so according to your own beliefs, your own worldview, like you're failing in the purpose of, in your purpose of life. And he kind of laughs and he's like, well, yeah, I guess I am. Um, and I told him, you know, as a Christian, like I think you're created in the image of God. I think you have incredible value, dignity, and worth, whether you have kids or not, but ultimately that you're made to know him and never gonna really find that full purpose until you're restored to right relationship with him. Um, that was a little more antagonistic, you know, maybe than I typically am. If I would have done that with somebody who's hostile, that's probably gonna, maybe that's gonna start a fight. Um, but I think people who just don't care, they need to be challenged a little bit. And at the end of that conversation, he was like, what church are you a part of? Like, he's like, that's the kind of church I would like to go to and be a part of. And so I, th yeah, I think people can sense that genuine caring, um, and that even maybe challenging him a little bit was done from a, a, a place of love. So the, the question, next question I have for you is, how do we find out where somebody is on this spectrum? Ask them about themselves, yeah. What would you ask? Yeah, what they do for a living, what they do when they're not working, where they're from. I often ask people uh, if they ever uh, had a faith history growing up. Yeah, ask people if they ever had a faith history growing up. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, I think you guys are right. The, the thing an explorer does is ask questions and listens. It's not rocket science, um, but I think this is how we explore people's lives spiritually. There, Howard Hendricks, a teacher and writer, said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I, I was talking to a guy, um, a while back, I just met downtown at Portland State, and I spent about 30 minutes uh, just exploring, asking questions and listening about his life, what he did, what he did for fun, what he believed about spiritual things. Um, and probably about 30 minutes into the conversation, I asked him, I was like, oh yeah, do you have any sort of belief in God? He paused and he said, well, no, not really. But if I did, I know it wouldn't be the Christian God. Huh. That's interesting, like, yeah, what makes you so sure that it wouldn't be the Christian God? And he said, well, Christians aren't open-minded like you and me. Huh. So I, I kind of step back and think for a minute. I've been talking to this guy for 30 minutes. What does he know about me? He knows that I ask questions and I listen. So therefore, I can't be a Christian. Which was really insightful, um, but also I felt kind of ashamed to be a Christian in that moment. Like, have we done such a bad job of like caring about people that were not willing to explore their spiritual journeys and their, their life stories? So I continued exploring. Um, 
And I, I asked him, as we continued to talk, I asked him if there was anything in his life that gave him hope, like in the midst of life being hard, like what kept him going. He thought about it and he's like, well, I, there's not really anything stable or consistent in my life that gives me hope. 40 minutes into the conversation, for the first time he asked me a question. He says, well, what about you? I said, you know, as, uh, as a human, I, I think one of the things that w waits for all of us um, and is permanent and unavoidable is death. Like that's, uh, we don't know when it's gonna happen and, and so there's a certain element of fear associated with that. But there is one person who lived the perfect human life and died and came back from the dead and is alive today and that's Jesus. And so for me, when life, when I have my ups and downs, He's the only one that's there for me because death can't stop him and nothing can. He's what's stable and gives me hope in my life. At that point, this guy was actually intrigued. Like he wanted to hear more and we gotta have a great conversation about who Jesus is. But, uh, but I don't think that would have happened had I not explored and actually valued his story enough to listen. Um, so John, if you wouldn't mind um, passing around those green cards, um, I think often this is where we get stuck is that we just don't even know what questions to ask. Um, we're not gonna do the note card thing, sorry. I have way too many things to talk about and just not enough time, let's <laughs> get that one. Um, I, yeah, I think often we just, we wanna engage in people's spiritual journeys, but I think the hard thing is we just don't know how to start. Um, and so, for me, um, this list of explorer questions is something that's been really helpful for me in just how do I start that spiritual conversation. So I would love um, for everybody to maybe take a minute or two and just kind of begin skimming through this list and find uh, a question or two that you really like. Some of them are good, some of them aren't as good. And then maybe if you, if you find one that you really like, maybe you can just go ahead and share it with us. I like this, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? If you could ask God one question, what would it be? Yeah, what do you like about that question? I find that a lot of people believe in a God force, mm -hmm. you know? And so, and I feel like a lot that brings to the surface a lot of people's barrier, because they're gonna ask the question of the thing they can't figure out. Yeah, they're going to ask the question of the thing they can't figure out, so that really clearly helps you see maybe the biggest or one of the biggest obstacles. Yeah, that's good. What else? What what questions do you guys like? What don't you believe? That forces people to really come up with a very relevant answer to themselves. You get a lot of people very directed to this is yeah, often that can be more revealing than asking somebody what they do believe. Yeah. Yeah, asking somebody what you can pray for them about. Oftentimes people who have no belief in God are still really open to being prayed for. Um, Religious background as a child. 
Yeah, what was your religious background as a child? Was it positive, negative, or neutral? Yeah, and there's a story there. Like, even just by asking that, it helps give you insight into where people are and have been on their spiritual journey. I didn't really feel I was part of the church when I was Catholic and went with my grandmother to her church. Okay. But I liked going to church and hearing a message. Yeah, it was still a good, good experience for you. So uh, I want to invite you to find your two favorite questions on here. Maybe just circle them. And I want to invite you to memorize those and ask them to two people this week. And listen. Begin to uh, begin slash continue to explore people's spiritual journeys and where they are um, and see how God moves through that. There... Um, even like a week ago, uh, my neighbors that I've been trying to get to know, they're in a punk band. They had a concert at their house for Halloween. And so I went over there, and it was like the first time I hung out with new people, you know, like in a year and a half. <laughs> and I, I met this guy, Zane, was having a good conversation with him, and he, just, he mentioned something about death. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, what do you think happens when you die? Which, again, is not my go-to question on the list, but I have memorized a handful of them, so it's kind of floating around. So it's like, well, it's relevant, I'll ask it. He shares his thoughts. There's a couple other people around. They start to share their thoughts on death, which pretty much it's all this, everybody were atheists or agnostic and just said, you know, nothing happens when you die. And then two more people walk up and Zane's like, hey, what about you guys? What do you think happens when you die? And this conversation is just all of a sudden taken on um, this new form where this atheist is inviting other people to share their, their beliefs. Um, so, so I think just by asking a question and listening, we don't know how the Lord might move through that um, and open doors for us to have significant interactions. The, um, and so just as a community, I would invite us to do that, to take a step of faith. Uh, God has given us his spirit um, to give us boldness to participate in this work that he's doing and ask two people two questions and see how he might lead. There, a while back I was having, talking through these things with some students at Clark College and invited them to, to do the same thing. And the next week I, I asked the students how that went. And there was a girl who was a high school student taking classes at Clark. And she said, yeah, well when I left last week, I went to work at the mall and my manager was like, you know, how's it going? And this high school student said, oh, really good. I just, I just learned these really cool questions that I'm looking forward to asking someone. And her manager says, oh, well, what are they? You should ask me. <laughs> so she ends up having like a couple hour conversation with her manager at work uh, over these questions. And it turns out her manager hadn't been to church in five years, but was open and ended up going to church with this high school employee that Sunday. Like, can you imagine like all the layers of like social awkwardness there? But so cool, like that the Lord provided just by her asking a few questions, it really opened up that relationship. So um, that's my invitation. The Lord works in wonderful ways, and sometimes um, we don't see those ways. Sometimes it just seems like we fall flat, um, but it's us taking steps of faith that is the important part. So um, we don't always get to see the fruit of that, but sometimes we do. So let me pray. 
Father, thank you that since the beginning of time, you have been a God that makes yourself known and that pursues us and makes yourself known to us. Lord, thanks that you sent your son uh, to rescue us and restore us to right relationship with you. And thank you that um, in your wisdom and your power, you've chosen for this good news of who you are and what you've done uh, to spread through normal people like us, talking to our friends and family members and neighbors and coworkers. Lord, thanks for the gift of your spirit that gives us boldness. We need that. Would you give us that boldness this week? Would you help us to lovingly engage with people you've put in our life? And would you give us opportunities uh, to ask questions and to listen that we could explore where they are on their spiritual journey uh, and look for opportunities to help them take a step closer to you? For the sake of your name and your glory, amen.